On this episode of That Was a Show? Hey, have you guys watched Whoops? Not sure what that's supposed to be. A beauty queen or something? Oh, who the hell knows? Gotta say, this was a genuine, like, Did not see this coming, did you? No. Anytime this show earns a legitimate laugh, I'm always embarrassed that it makes me laugh. Yeah. The jokes are just, set up those pins, knock them down. Knock them down. (laughs) (laughs) But first, a few words from the hosts. We began working on this fun podcast back in February of 2020, in the before times, as we say. But it's been a passion project for much longer than that. We recorded the first three episodes back when we could still sit together in a studio, before the need for social distancing. We never could have predicted that it would be launched during one of the most tumultuous periods in recent history. We hope that it brings you a bit of laughter and joy during these uncertain times. Most importantly, we wish to express our immense gratitude to the healthcare and essential workers keeping us safe, and our love and support to everyone fighting for justice and equality for Black and Indigenous people in Canada, the United States, and worldwide. And now, on to the show. Cold Open. We grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince. But those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were cancelled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. (laughs) Whoops! Aired on Fox from September 27th to December 6, 1992. 13 episodes were produced, 10 were aired before it was cancelled. Whoops! is about the only six survivors of a nuclear holocaust that wiped out every other human on Earth. They live together in an abandoned farmhouse and try to rebuild civilization. The central character is Mark Braddock, who is a school teacher at the time of the apocalypse and survived because, and this is noted many times, he was in his Volvo, which is apparently a very safe car. He narrates the show, and this is visualized through his efforts as a literary type to keep a record in his journal of their efforts to, as I said before, rebuild all of civilization. (laughs) The other key characters are Jack Connors, who is a homeless man, Alice McConnell, who had been the owner of a feminist bookstore, see if you can guess if the male characters ruthlessly mock her, Frederick Ross, who is a pathologist or biologist or something like that, who is also presented explicitly as the token black character, Suzanne Skillman, who worked in a salon and is a dumb model stereotype, and Curtis Thorpe, a ruthless venture capitalist. Although it's produced like a traditional three-camera sitcom, the one innovation is that it's actually a completely serialized plot, where each episode is a continuation of the overall arc of these six unlikely roommates trying to save humanity. In the pilot, they all get to know each other, and after initially fighting a lot and not getting along, they come together when Alice is abducted by a giant mutated spider, and the others work together trying to save her. 
We will talk mostly about episode one, but also a little bit about episode two, since it's a continuation of the same story. And it's so crazy because it's about the six of them repopulating the earth. Uh, TV Guide referred to this show as a post-apocalyptic Gilligan's Island. My personal guess is that given what was pretty common in the late 80s and early 90s at the time, it might have been pitched as cheers in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Bryn, Barry, what did you think of whoops? Whoops, more like woof. Yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, good way to put it, Barry. It was, uh, it was definitely, it was not what I was expecting, for sure. I mean, I don't know what I expected. I mean, the title alone doesn't really give you a whole lot to go on, despite the fact that they clearly misspell whoops with a with leaving out the H and just going with the much less popular W-O-O-P-S spelling of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, it was, there's some innovation to it. I'll give them that. It was definitely, I'm impressed that it was greenlit. I'm impressed that a script that was not as generic as everything else that was on TV at the time made it to the air. I'm not surprised it was canceled. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I think we found a show that's even more uh, misogynist than Teen Angel. <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. There are like glimpses of interesting things, as you guys were saying. In a weird way, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, The Good Place. Like it has like those elements of something that could be interesting, like five people or six people brought together in an unusual circumstance that's, you know, kind of surreal. But yeah, it fails miserably. It's also, uh, I was pointing out, it's it's very, very, very reminiscent of the uh, Chris uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller uh, sitcom, the the Last Man on Earth. Oh uh, yeah, which came out a few years ago with Will Forte and January Jones. Almost identical premise. It is a, a nuclear, a, a, some form of nuclear holocaust happens, and Will Forte is the last man on Earth until he finds a mansion and is then living together with the last four or five other people wow. on Earth. Uh, so they, I wonder if they discovered this show and said, "Okay, this was terribly executed." Yeah, but as a basic premise, yeah, we could do something with this. Now, Aaron, did you watch this as a kid? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, if you're wondering why I chose this show, sure. um, I came across it and I thought just based on the premise alone, yeah. I have to know more about this. Like just knowing that like this is the most high concept thing you could conceivably do. And like one of my favorite movies of all time is Dr. Strangelove. Sure. So the idea of a dark comedy set in and around the this subject matter mm-hmm. seemed intriguing. And this show is made like minutes after the end of the cold war yeah so i thought okay like it was immediately intriguing wanting to see it yeah and then i watched it and i thought okay like one of the first things i noticed is that the execution is a lot more conventional than this high concept setup would have suggested oh yeah yeah. for sure the rhythm of the comedic banter Mm -hmm. is so just typical of a sitcom of 1992 yeah so the fact that it's a serialized plot and that it's this super high concept premise mm-hmm. does not in any way inform the way that they actually shot it or wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm sure there is, uh, you know, 
uh, was it Gary Jacobs created this? Yeah. I believe was the, the name. I'm almost sure that there is a script sitting around of this pilot that was done as, with a completely different tone, probably yeah. as a single camera, uh, and definitely like maybe almost with the serialization, maybe trying to capitalize a little on like say the the Twin Peaks of the time, which was like sort of starting to bring more serialization into network uh shows um and i can just see a million studio executives being like why not cheers why not gilligan's island you know that yeah. kind of thing the reason you can make a show like the good place today is you can make a, sh a comedy where you don't need a joke every five seconds you right. don't need to try to force that in there yeah so you can have like a minute or two go by where it's like actual true character development mm -hmm. as opposed to just Set up punchline, set up punchline. So yeah, the world could not have possibly been ready for this. No, I don't, I, I can't imagine audiences even knowing what to do with it. Um, this would have come out, so this was this was Fox. Uh, Fox is actually uh, very famous for, despite being such a weird network in general, they greenlight some interesting stuff. They've always been the network that will give something like this a shot that's true but they don't give it they never give them long shots they they they'll give you a season like fox is you know fox is famously you know they did firefly they did you know dark angel they did these high concept shows didn't that, they do like herman's head and stuff <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, like I, that. I i think they i were they max headroom or is that mtv but these were like these big shows that like just High concepts, but the second they don't deliver, they're like, all right, get it out of here. Get it out yeah. of here. Come on. It's, this also would have come out. So 92, Fox was just establishing themselves with uh, like live comedies. Um, and, uh, you know, they had the success of The Simpsons to back them up. But then Married uh, with Children is, was a big. This would have been right around Married with Children. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's Married with Children is a better example of what audiences probably wanted at that time. yeah i mean like fox was kind of the trashy network at oh, the yeah. time I, f I feel like fox was the network of shows that your parents would like ban you from watching because you said you quoted some joke that was off color yeah you said damn yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I, it was like damn ass or bitch yeah i feel like it was married with children i was not allowed to watch for a while because they talked about sex too much i was not allowed to watch married with children I either was, i was also not allowed to watch married with children my my Aaron freaked out when i was saying that <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I, I didn't realize that that was and a common yeah, experience <laughs> we're married and we didn't know this about each other my parents never really uh, policed very much of what i watched like you know i was able to watch seinfeld from a very young age simpsons but they they had a hard line at no married with children yeah and I, my mom would be like that show's disgusting yeah. i think it's just all the sex talk it like really rattled you know yeah Oh, but the you parents, see, they're but okay with violence and like yeah. borderline racist things that are said in other sitcoms. But, but for whatever but, reason, sex is just too me, much. I would watch sitcoms that did have sex, yeah. sexual content or mature yeah. themes. Yeah. Sometimes shows that my parents would be watching and they were totally fine with me watching those. Yeah. But not married with children. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like the trashiness People of just it. People didn't it like so... Al Bundy. Let's just face it. Yeah. You well, know? you know what it was? He was like, offensive to our parents. Maybe. Well, yeah. Because like my, like my dad, like, yeah, I could watch Seinfeld when I was really young with my dad. But it was funny. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to spend any time. But like married with children, uh, it's not funny. No, it was. It was pretty <laughs> trash. Yeah. But I think maybe what it was is 
because a lot of our parents are roughly the same age as Al Bundy and Peg Bundy. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they were just, you know, it triggered too much for them. They were like, this is what my life could have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for (laughs) sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, uh, Hmm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to this masterpiece. Whoops. Back to woof. What a... What 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 a what a program this was! Yeah. What a what a what a magical piece of uh, television history yeah. we experienced. Here. All right, so let's let's talk through a few key elements of this pilot. Sure. Um, yeah. So the nuclear blast at the beginning that destroys everything in one flash of white light, except for Mark Braddock and his Volvo. Yep. Is the cheapest tr- like. I would say it's the single worst shot we've seen in anything so far. I mean, not to bring it back to Teen Angel, but I feel like it's very similar to Marty's death. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the least imaginative, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they 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 definitely got they got there with the least amount of effort yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the path of least resistance to yeah. just selling this idea? Like, I don't even know why they bothered to like have that establishing shot of Mark in a classroom. Like, just start with him at the ATM. Yeah. Like, yeah. you didn't even start with a full scene. Do you guys think it would have been better if maybe they didn't even show it? Kind of. I almost was thinking watching it like from a writing standpoint, if like the actual first scene of the show was Mark waking up in the house. Yeah. 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 And getting the exposition that way. But maybe. Or that they've been there for a few days already. Yeah. 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 And then slowly you figure out why, you know, why these people are there. Yeah. In July 2002, TV Guide had a list of the worst TV shows of yes. all time, and this was <laughs> yeah. number 42. I saw that too. Yeah, only 42. What? How many? What yeah, the hell else was on that year? I, so, I don't know. We gotta maybe. Yeah, we gotta do a deep dive yeah. into that. Can we together. all agree that we need to like thoroughly go through that list together? Well, clearly uh, yeah. we're gonna mine it for content yeah. for yeah. future episodes. Yeah, clearly. Like, how could there possibly be 41? Yeah. yeah, 41 shows yeah. worse than this in a, yeah. in one season. Season, like I don't <laughs> this this show is uh, would be like in my like top 15 of worst shows I've ever seen <laughs> the music is an odd choice too there's this classic Americana parade music that comes out of the opening sequence and yeah although the moment that explains this is missing from the the old uh yeah clip that we watched uh, based on research the setup for the nuclear holocaust is that a kid was playing with a remote control car at some sort of military parade and accidentally triggered uh, a nuke to go off. And then every other country with nuclear weapons responded in kind. And it triggered the like doomsday scenario that every dark comedy about the Cold War would pose. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's where whoops comes from. That's the whoops. Yeah. That's the whoops. That's the whoops. That's the oopsies. The other, yeah. the other, the other whoops is the whoops in the spelling. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's their second yeah. whoops. Oh, do you think it was like a copyright issue? <laughs> <laughs> the whoops, whoops had a really hard claim on that word. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we should definitely talk about the little patch of white hair that each of the oh, characters God. has. Okay, I I love. The restraint in not actually getting into it in the pilot. I love so every just to, as your input. Every main character has a little bit of white uh, in their hair uh, after the nuclear holocaust, and this is clearly a plot point. I found it interesting because on the YouTube 
the YouTube clip that I, I watched, uh, the first comment was about the white hair and it said, the white hair is proof that they're being controlled by aliens. And I was just like, what? I love that people were- are, <laughs> So confused. People are theorizing, uh, were th or like are theorizing. That anyone was invested enough in this show to even theorize. <laughs> All the characters were these very top-of-mind archetypes from the early 90s. So you yeah. have the ruthless capitalist, and you have the feminist, and you have the homeless guy, and you have these, these characters that would have been in, like, 1992, mm. the kinds of things that are, like, issues-based characters that would have been front-page news, potentially, when people were talking about those topics. But, like, the way they treat these characters, it's... I don't know. The jokes are so nail on the head. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And so often offensive. Yeah. Super offensive. Yeah. The feminist character uh, alone. Yeah. Yeah. The joke is that, you know, she is is a feminist. She's she is terrible. Like she is a terrible character. Very unlikable. She's basically one of these like pseudo woke white ladies who you know, tries way too hard to be progressive, but she's actually like very self-absorbed and very oblivious to how, you know, to her own privilege. Uh, so like that was like thoughtful, but I really, yeah, there's a lot of other problematic things that come up about her. Like she's very one note. She's very two-dimensional. I guess they all are, but hers is especially offensive because basically every time she has an opinion or wants to talk about anything, the male characters roll their eyes and get really upset. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just pretty troubling. It, it definitely is like, like a weird comment on like probably the one Actually, who am I kidding? There was not one woman in this writer's room. There was. But there they, was, but they, technically. Oh. Yeah, I looked into it because oh. I was like, wait a second. It, you know, there couldn't have been, but there was one female a writer. I won't put her on blast here. Yeah, I was but, like, don't you know, throw her under the bus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, she probably had no power in the room. Like, I would hope so, at least, because, or, you know, it's just part of a system. Like, I know sometimes, you know, Myself as a writer, I look back at some of the stuff I wrote even like a couple years ago and I'm like, oh, like that's a little, mm. <laughs> you know, because you just you go with the times a bit and you're you, you're influenced, unfortunately, by either the progress of the time or the lack of progress of mm. the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's the other female character uh, <laughs> who doesn't come in till like, what is it like? She's halfway she comes, through Act she, Two. She, I, like, I would say she comes in right towards the end of Act Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the character that is quite literally just there to be a target of the male gaze. Like, yeah, like yeah, entirely. And then immediately they pit her against Alice, the, oh, the feminist. Yeah. Immediately, it's like you know, like there was this joke earlier in the episode where they hear a knock at the door, mm -hmm. and what's his name? What's What's the thick Al Borland guy's name? Oh, that is, uh, that's Jack. Jack. Okay, so he looks outside and he makes a joke that is, oh, it's an incredibly beautiful woman and everyone gets excited and it's not. It turns out to be uh, 
uh, Fred Ross, which we will also talk about because he's amazing. But then like, so the joke is, oh, it's like it's a hot lady. But then it turns out not to be. And then later he does the same thing. And somehow he is able to actually see outside, whereas before he couldn't for some reason and makes it's. Anyway, it's it's dumb, but then he makes the hot lady joke again, and it actually is a hot lady. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he wasn't just crying wolf this time. Yeah. Oh, and the the great thing is that she's not only attractive, but she's uh, ignorant and yes, of and course. Position. She's, she's also very dumb. Position yeah. as this dumb character. Yeah. Where like, thank God for the other guys. It's a woman that doesn't have opinions that they're going to have to listen to. Oh right. The, but yeah. The, yeah. The long walk I was getting to there was, um, you know, they immediately pit Alice against her because the guys are like, oh, they're drooling over her, yeah. and she's like immediately pipes in and says she's not so great and yeah. storms out of the room and they continue to do that yeah and it's like you know if she were a real feminist she would actually be you know excited that there's another woman and yeah there's some internalized misogyny oh, yeah this show time. goes in much worse it, directions obviously <laughs> you mean, know episode two do we even have time to get into all, it like we, yeah we, okay we have to say that in episode two as I said in the intro, the plot is about them deciding whether or not they should start actively working to repopulate the Earth and figure out who's the alpha male and who's the alpha female and breed them. Yeah. And the two female characters compete for the attention of the four male characters. Yep. So that's rough. Yeah. That is not the most rough thing well, in that episode. They, <laughs> the, the first half of that episode, they mostly compete for the affections of just Suzanne. Yeah. Yeah. Because Alice, despite being a TV actress and being attractive herself, is of course not attractive because yeah. she's a feminist. She's well, only yeah, not yeah. yeah, and and because yeah, she yeah. just has too many things to say, yeah. and they're tired of hearing from yeah. her. To be clear, for anyone who hasn't seen this, it's not that she's not an attractive-looking person. It is just that she has opinions and she's smart, and they can't like it's insufferable for them to listen to her. Yeah, yeah. there's a future episode. I did not watch the whole episode more than like. 20 seconds of it but the premise is that alice is exposed to some sort of magical crystal oh no. and then suddenly grows large breasts and then uh really buried the lead there man all the uh <laughs> all the uh male characters start paying lots of attention to her obviously and then she enjoys the male attention that she's getting and then the mark character as the nice like moral at the end gets to mansplain to her basically that she shouldn't be happy about getting all of this attention because it's undermining the feminist values that she has always worked for. Yeah. That's that's the plot of an episode of this show. Yeah. Sets her right back on her feminist path. Yeah, exactly. Do, does anyone... Well, obviously, there is evidence of this in episode two, but it's funny how Mark is slowly kind of revealed to be some weird, like, secret perv or something because he's the first one to suggest that they partner off. He is, yeah. Yeah, he's... he's he says some comment about how, oh, I just sort of thought eventually nature would take its course and we would pair off. And it's like, is that really automatic? Like, there's only six of them, only two of which are female. No one in the in the cast is like queer or openly queer. So it's not going to be like, yeah. you know, any of the guys hooking up. Like, why would that even be a thing, like, automatically? Well, it's funny because obviously you would get to this sort of thing in this real-life scenario. However, we get to this five seconds into exactly. the second episode. It's not like a 
an emergency situation. It's not they they yeah. They're like they're they're like mere hours away from giant spider. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then Mark is just like, hey, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be kind of funny like if maybe we all started banging and like everybody's <laughs> like, uh, weird flex, okay, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, and like so that's episode two, which they I think were set up that they've been there for just like a few days. And I'm sorry, I just have to say this. Why were they wearing like new outfits in episode two. So if episode two is the story of them deciding whether or not they should repopulate the earth, yeah. episode one, the like first big survival skill that they need to tackle is growing food. Yeah. And so like their immediate thought is to grow wheat, which I don't want to go into a whole like long rant about farming, but that's not going to do much for their survival over the next, you know, weeks and the show plays pretty fast and loose with what the outside world is like because yeah. Mark is wandering through a desert and then comes over a hill and into a completely green, like everything's fine <laughs> farm. Yeah, like where are they? There's, it's supposed to be California, I think, but well, you see, it's a valley, and so somehow right. it's protected from the nuclear holocaust sure. that destroyed all sure. of humanity because the ground just dips down a little bit it's there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's important that we we all uh, really dig into this. Um, gotta say, third act surprise, giant spider entering into the sitcom. Didn't see coming, loved it. And what in the hell was this show? You say there's a magic crystal in a few episodes later, there's a giant spider. I thrown for a loop there's a thanksgiving i'm assuming thanksgiving episode where a turkey becomes a giant turkey and runs off with alice so wait what but is it alice again or, or is it actually yeah. i do, I'm, is probably it, is it alice no but runs off with her like as in they she tries to save like it abducts one of the women oh uh, well yeah. then, and then the others have to save yeah. her well they all you know they, they they're women so they be damseled yeah you know? exactly there's, women be damsel, yeah, you know. But there, there's a lot of like magical elements or things relating to like things that develop powers because of the nuclear radiation, sure. presumably. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, when the spider takes her, what is the line? It's it's like, I can do anything that you guys can. It's something like that. And then the spider immediately takes her. When she's trying to assert herself and be brave, it immediately takes her. I, yeah. be I believe she like, also lets out a whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, what's her name? What's the hot girl's Suzanne. name? Suzanne. Suzanne. Yeah. And then she has like fainted, you know, right before that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Although uh, there is, of course, the moment where she mentions that in her uh, bookstore, she carried a book on feminist gardening. And then the other characters have a, a nice little retort to that. What's feminist gardening? I'm guessing no zucchini. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we are jumping around a lot, but there's just so many things like yeah. as you remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's also like no trauma or mourning period for the fact that they've lost all their friends and family yeah. and loved ones. Curtis I didn't very, even think about it until this very moment. clearly mentions having a wife yeah. and not once. He talks about how he has a mansion and he has this and he has a wife that got liposuction every year. That's so, right. Well, yeah. she was just another one of his experiences. Expensive yeah. possessions. Yeah, but another, 
you know, addition to the bucket of misogyny. Yeah. Like that's yeah. why she's great is because yeah, she sucks her fat out every year. Yeah. Yeah. But uh-huh. there is there is no mourning period for any of them. No. Even though there's parts of the show that lead us to believe that part of this is going to be about self-reflection and yeah. about philosophy and there's Mark's journaling. It's all very surface. It's all yeah. very surface. Yeah. I don't know what I wanted to say about the giant spider other than the Just, fact that I did not see that twist coming. No, no, I, I was I was thoroughly thrown for a loop. It's like the giant frog from Aliens in the Family. Yeah, and then you said there was a giant turkey later. How many giant creatures are we going to encounter over the course of this podcast? Yeah. Is, don't is know. giant creature entering into our sitcom trope lexicon? Well, it yeah. seems like the main thing that they could come up with that would be the result of nuclear radiation yeah. is that something grows bigger. I thought that the type of comedy that I was expecting to see yeah. was like mundane absurdity. Yeah. And then when it goes into that giant spider, I'm thinking like, okay, this is yeah. like record scratch. This is a different kind of show than what I was expecting based on... The oh, first half of the episode. Completely. And then like, yeah, just hearing that it gets even more absurd. So we talked about sort of the things that were pretty good or had the potential for being good in the show, um, like the whole high concept nature of it. Yeah. Can we talk about like the other thing that actually kind of really worked, which was basically every moment of, of Fred Ross? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. yes, Frederick Ross. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I I, I agree. The delivery. Uh, yeah, the performance of Cleavon Derricks is just uh, a definite shining spot in the show. A lot of his dialogue is mostly l- quick little asides, but man, does he deliver them well. Um, and uh, he has the the only in the two episodes that I watched, he has several laugh out loud yeah. moments. Like like actual legit laughs. Yeah. Um I think the whole like kind of like little meta thing of him calling out the fact that he's literally the token black guy. Yeah. Right before he appeared on screen, I was saying this is a very white show, oh, but yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And then he comes in and then it becomes this whole funny, you know. Yeah, he he definitely gets uh he he gets some great he's, lines. Yeah, he like literally steals the and show. And they and you're right, it is they often are able to use him as commentary on the type of character yeah. he, that he is. Yeah, like yeah. every joke he has actually lands. Yep. He's yep. genuinely funny. There's Whatever they managed to preserve yeah. through these scripts as legitimate commentary yeah. manages it's, to survive yeah, through him. The, sure. the interactions between him and Alice are very great yeah. as well because it really shows how um, how shitty she kind of is. Yeah, as as much as she's trying to be progressive, it's all pseudo progressive. Yeah, and like she, she still has some real race issues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and she he's the calls one... him, oh, son of Africa. Oh, that was <laughs> like... rough. Oh, man, was yeah. that rough. And and he he also decides at one point before the giant spider that he's going to leave. He doesn't want to live with these people because they're so awkward around him. Yeah. And they make him so uncomfortable because yeah. they are so uncomfortable around a black person. And, yeah. And he really, like, calls out the, yeah. the dynamic between them in a way that is taking a step beyond just being a joke and yeah. into actual commentary in the way yeah, that that's delivered. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I thought that was interesting that they acknowledged that they actually did have some, like, racial issues and yeah. that it was not, yeah, you're right. The pun, as much as they do make little jokes about the scenario, it isn't completely a joke. 
Yeah. 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 So for this one glimmer of something that's sort of progressive, that's basically where it stops. Like, uh, uh, we've already <laughs> talked about the sexism. We've yeah. already talked. But, like, in my opinion, probably the main reason this garbage fire was actually canceled probably had a lot to do with episode two. Yeah, they definitely got to episode two. And, and, and just how offensive it is in so many ways. Are you guys ready? Should we get I'm, into this? I'm, I, I, I was taken aback by episode two in yeah. that as, as as weird and off-putting as the pilot is it actually like it was the first show that we've done that i was just like okay i'm ready to watch episode two you guys had you'd suggested i watch it but yeah. i also yeah, we like basically harassed you until you watched but it. but i also got to the end of episode one and was just like yeah, I kind of want to see where this is going. And then episode two very clearly was my point where I'm like, I don't really need to see any more of this show. And that is all, of course, because of act three. Yeah. Aaron, do you want to? <laughs> sure. I can explain this. Um, so episode two. Uh, so It is, of course, when they're trying. It's to the reproduction episode. Yes. The so reproduction, that's the setup. Yes, yeah. as a basic setup, but l let me walk you through a few things. So same thing, I felt like I needed to watch episode two. After yeah. seeing episode one, I thought I do want, I do kind of want to see where they're going. Yeah. And initially, I was pleasantly surprised that they were actually doing this serialized structure. Sure. That it was a continuation of the plot in episode mm -hmm. one. Okay. And they're back to the whole farming thing. And then they have this awkward conversation about pairing off and having kids. And I just think like, oh, there's no way that they're going to handle that theme tastefully or appropriately. And boy, do they not. Boy, do they not. I mean, they take it in directions that are far worse than I could have possibly predicted. Yeah. Um, Real left turn. Real left turn. Uh, yeah. So basically, I mean, they hold like a social mixer to get to know each other. How did they make the banner? I don't like how anything. <laughs> no, I, I feel like, There's an like a welcome in, banner. In episode seven, we would have gotten to the fact that uh, a solitary kinko survived. <laughs> yeah. During most of episode two, my jaw was agape. Yeah. I literally watched the show like this. He has the entire mouth. time. His I, mouth is agape. Yes. Um, obviously, the men fight over the hot model character. Obviously, they don't want to pair off with Alice because she's smart and thus annoys them. But then as a group, they decide that if they're going to make a baby for the survival of humanity, they need to have some sort of competition to determine who is the smartest and strongest amongst them and breed the alpha male with the alpha female. Right. Which turns out to be Mark and Alice based on their metrics for judgment. And Mark and Alice are supposed to have their rendezvous, their initial sexual congress and where they go with that how do i put she's this? wearing okay so let okay me, this is oh, where yeah. it starts so essentially uh it cuts to them in the bedroom and they're getting ready and i guess uh he has done nothing to his appearance but she uh has put on a i guess is supposed to be sexy kimono yeah. that she found in the attic at which point mark makes a in any other show, 
throwaway line about how he always had a bit of a geisha fantasy. Yeah, totally assumed that that was that was the end of that joke. I paused. I Just had a joke. to. I I paused. I had to do some cleaning. I uh, texted Aaron and was like, oh, uh, I just got to the geisha joke. That was weird. Thinking that was it. That was it. <laughs> no, that's not it. Because when they start uh, start in with each other on the bed. They're getting uh, amorous. They're getting amorous. Mark, Mark uh, is not getting aroused. He uh, can't. Uh, no. Yeah. So Mark has a full on fetish. Yeah. So basically... Uh, Alice then in an effort to get Mark aroused so that they can seal the deal here and uh, carry out their duty to uh, sure. repopulate the earth. Yes. She comes back into the bedroom fully stylized as a geisha with face makeup. Complete with Asian voice affectation. Oh, it, uh, yeah. it- it, goes, it is. It is. It is Michael Scott's stereotypical. Ping it is Michael Scott's ping character times a million. Yeah, whatever oh the worst God. rendition you can imagine yeah. of this, it is as bad or worse than the worst you can imagine. Yeah, and and that is not even just a brief one-off joke. Of it's not like she just walks in, looks like that, says a couple words, and the scene ends. Yeah, no, they they ride that wave. For a while. They really hitch their wagon to this joke and then like decide that the rest of the episode needs to basically follow this joke anywhere it can take him. Yeah. Overall, they treat the topic of sex like they're a bunch of bashful teenagers in a coming of age movie. Sure. Not a group of people who are clearly in their 30s and 40s. Like the level of immaturity and the way they even talk about it as yeah. a basic like as basic yeah, subject matter that's so true makes no sense the men are all fighting over uh the women and whatnot um not once do the women ever express any form of like yeah they get a choice in any of this yeah. they just go along with it uh suzanne no. maybe she's just not shallow she, suzanne is very cool with just like trying everybody out just making she makes a date with every one of the men on different dates and which, of course, throws the men into a tizzy. But the women are never like, OK, I choose this. No, it is. They are expected to go along yeah. with Mark's little fuck plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just assumed that they're they're totally on board for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in my actual notes from when I was watching this and I was typing stream of consciousness notes in real time. Yeah. With the geisha scene. Uh, there's the bit where Mark can't get it up and the line is he's stuck in neutral. And then uh, she helps him play out a geisha fantasy by saying a few words in Japanese. And then my next note here is, oh, shit, with like several eyes. No, she actually puts white face makeup on and eye makeup and uses hand fans and does a whole geisha song and dance thing. And it's one of the most racist things I have ever seen in a sitcom. <laughs> I typed that all I, out. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like Archie Bunker would have had a problem with this scene. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, it, this was too, this was like, this was a step yeah. too far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what about uh, Jack's little nugget that he reveals? Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> There's so many things in this episode that I completely forgot. This is why, you know, like this is why we're talking about and it. Again, and why it was probably canceled. Again. Not even a throwaway. He, yeah. Ma Jack reveals very casually that he was molested. <laughs> by a gym teacher. By a gym teacher. And it is treated 
it's a joke it's a punchline and nobody knows how to react but it is like expanded upon like it's just oh my god yeah yeah it's it's very clearly presented in a way that he's revealing something that actually happened to him yeah and it's not like a sarcastic remark in any way like it is very much yeah just something that is coming out about this character played as a joke for a really brutal laugh Oh my god! Yeah. It's just I just cannot imagine anybody at the network watching yeah. this pre-air. But even like I think what happens is throughout the episode, it just gets like slightly more offensive. Like there's the first glimmer of an offensive line when Mark is writing in his journal, and Thorpe comes up to him and kind of makes fun of him for writing in his journal. And he says something like, and Frank even took a day off. Yep, yep, yep. And then yep. from there, it's the Jack molestation line. And then there's the entire third act of the, the like, the, geisha. the racist yeah. geisha yeah. encounter. So it's, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. just kind of, like, escalates. Yeah. If episode one hooked us in like we actually kind of want to watch more of this show and see yeah. where they're going episode two manages in one fell swoop to just like crush any sense that there might be any good direction that this show could take agreed yeah they hit the brakes pretty hard on episode two there yeah if alice was already not the more hateable character well i sorry if alice and mark were not already the most hated characters on the show that there there would be no coming back from this yeah I have notes on other episodes. I, I don't even know okay. if I want to talk about let's, these. Let's I think we're not. okay. I think everybody should stop at episode two. <laughs> yeah, you get what I, you... I can't believe you've seen more. So I just want to talk briefly about the to feel or not to feel idea. Um, I think that we are supposed to feel something from this show. Regardless of how it's executed, I do feel there's this intentional philosophical aspect yeah. to the show. but. It's constantly diluted by really awkward and offensive jokes. And so it doesn't work, but I do think we are supposed to feel. Yeah, we're supposed to feel and it fails miserably, mainly because of the offensive um, jokes, but also because the characters are all just wooden stereotypes and they're like not even two dimensional. They're yeah. like 0.5 dimensional. I think they, and they definitely, uh, there, there is definitely the intent that there would be continuing character development for these people um, because they all start off very terrible. And I imagine that they would have become more lovable as the show went on, but they don't start deep enough to really like, there's not a lot to explore. Yeah. Like, I don't really know where you take these characters, um, which is fine for, for a lot of sitcoms. But on the other hand, this is a show that was trying to ex do some character development. What do we got for... Uh, Why don't we do the spinoff? Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a quick one. Um, the spinoff, of course, we're just talking about where they ended up, everyone who was involved in this train wreck, what kind of good things uh, they ended up doing um, after the show was canceled. Like the quick answer is 
basically the cast went on to do a ton of TV. Like they all have a lot of IMDb credits. Um, The creator of the show didn't really do very much. He went on to create another short-lived sitcom, All-American Girl, um, which starred, it was the the vehicle, the, the Margaret Cho vehicle. Um, which I remember actually really liking as a kid, but unfortunately it had a lot of problems and uh, only lasted a season. Um, And then after that, there's like really nothing. So a lot of them, a lot of the writers and creators kind of crashed and burned in the 90s while the cast themselves, and it's obvious that they were all very talented just by watching these episodes. They all went on to do a lot. Most notably, um, Evan Handler, everyone recognizes from Californication and uh, like Sex and the City as well. Yeah, he was... uh... He, he he's pretty prolific. In fact, you can toss his INDB up, and he he still works many Steadily. times a year. Yeah. yeah, you know, I remember he was on uh, uh, the Aaron Sorkin show, Studio Sixty, on the Sunset Strip. I remember him there. Uh, this is the only time I've ever seen Evan Handler with hair, though. <laughs> yeah. Now, do we all think it's a? I I we we briefly conversed. Is it is it a rug? Is it is it a toupee? It kind of looks like one. It's definitely that weird 90s curly mullet, that like hockey hair look. Yeah. yeah. yeah it yeah, makes yeah. me wonder if he pulled a reverse Piven mm. where he has this thick, lustrous <laughs> hair in this show. Yeah. And then very soon after every other show, he's just all like fully shaved. Sure. Head. Sure. And if you look at uh, Piven when he's in early seasons of Seinfeld as yeah. the actor who's going to play george in the pilot yeah he he's balding the way that jason alexander was at the time yeah and then you look at him in shows that happen way later yeah and he's got thick lustrous hair <laughs> what about the uh what about uh friends six yeah. degrees of friends what we yeah got? this is also another pretty simple one uh do you guys want to throw anything out there what is your guess I feel like because of the the caliber of talent involved uh, on the acting side, we can't be any more than two from uh, from Friends. In fact, I was Evan Handler on Friends. Well, yeah, he was actually okay. So Evan Handler, who plays our anchor in Whoops, uh, Mark, is in one episode of Friends. Ah. Uh... He plays a director in an episode. Um, it's like one of the big Joey episodes where he's a director. So not only is this masterpiece whoops one degree from Friends because of Evan Handler, it's also one degree from Friends because of Terry Hughes. He was the main director of almost all of the episodes of Whoops. And he directed several episodes of Friends. Onward and upward for him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> for sure. Friends would have only been like a year later. So uh, he, yeah, yeah. everybody, yeah. Gre- greener pastures. <laughs> Does anyone have anything that they want to add to our sitcom library of tropes? I, I guess just because we keep seeing it, giant creatures. Why are they in so many sitcoms? Is this a trope? Can we use this? Who do you think the breakout character is intended to be? 
I think it's Fred Ross. I I I think I think it, at least in the writers' room they think it's Jack. I'm pretty sure Jack. Okay, fair enough. Jack is their clinger. Ja- it's Jack, but we want it to be Fred. Yeah, yeah. Fred Fred is also like low key like that's your that's that's who the lead of the show should have been. Yeah. <laughs> so Barry, you're a producer in the '80s. I'm a network executive. Pitch me this show. Hey, Aaron, do you remember the Cold War? I do. Well, that just ended. The Berlin Wall's down, and I don't think people are afraid of nuclear holocaust no more. That's the whole show. There's a nuclear holocaust, and there's only a little melting pot full of Americans left in a house. Why don't we just do that? The jokes will write themselves. Sold! (laughs) This was fun. We had a lot of laughs. But some things are no laughing matter. What lesson did we all learn from today's show? Well, I think if you're fortunate enough to have survived a nuclear holocaust and you're living in a house full of complete strangers and you happen to have a geisha fantasy, you should keep that shit to yourself. (laughs) And cut to credits. That Was a Show is a production of Radio Gizmo. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram for info about upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends about it. Next time on That Was a Show. How bad are the establishing shots in this? (laughs) I don't understand it because like this aired. This aired. What's with his blazer too? It looks too big. It looks. It's a 90s blazer, man. They didn't fit. (laughs) Double breasted. Yeah. Two sizes too big. Here it comes. (laughs) There she is. With the towel over her shoulder. (laughs) As she has to have. Yeah. She didn't say honey or sugar, but. I'm sure she does in another episode. Yeah, she yeah. had 16 more episodes. Radio Gizmo.